Welcome to the Game Deflators Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm joined by our co-host, Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games that we've recently picked up, games that we're playing, and as always, every week we go into our Inflation Deflation Challenge. That's where we take a game off of John's shelf and we figure out, is this game worth the current market price or is it inflated? Sounds good, man. So uh, I do want to point out, as we were just talking a moment ago, this is our eight-week anniversary. Yay, eight weeks. Eight weeks. Well, I mean, we did have the three lost episodes that we'll release at some random point in time, considering your lost episodes, maybe a package of... Uh... We don't even know where they're at. You mean you lost them? That's the point, isn't it? Oh, well, damn. Well, dude, I think if we do find them, we'll release the Lost Episodes trilogy. I think it'd be perfect. So uh, we'll get that out to people that do subscribe to us and, and listen up. So... As in all weeks, let's go ahead and start some of our recent pickups. So uh, I had the eBay bug a few days ago, and I realized that I needed a copy of an RPG. Not needed, wanted a copy of an RPG that needed to fill my shelf, and that was MS Saga on the PlayStation 2. So uh, for anybody that's not aware, MS Saga is a Gundam-based turn RPG, or turn-based Gundam RPG released in 2006, I have no idea why I wanted it, but we're going to give it a shot at some point. Ryan, that is, uh, that's my pickup, and I'm very disappointed in myself to have purchased an item on eBay. Now, I will tell you, before you go, um, I did pick it up at a best offer of $50 bucks with the $6 shipping. game is typically selling for 70 so I did get a little bit of a savings, just not where I would want to get it. Way to get around that market price. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, that's interesting. I would like to see that game. I am myself a big Gundam fan. I love the the mecha anime genre. So I uh, had no idea this game existed, like most things that John owns. So I'll be interested to check it out, and we'll uh, we'll try to get it up there on an inflation deflation and see if uh, John's savings uh, were worth what he, you know, had to go through on eBay in order to get it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have you know, man, uh, if anybody has listened before, maybe heard when I was talking with uh, with James in our first season. Uh, I collect pretty much RPGs on PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, trying to get all of them, and what sucks is soon to be PlayStation 4, and uh, that's kind of the goal. So my entire collection, everybody kind of has their set, you know, what you mainly collect. Some people it's Pokemon, some it's, you know, Mario or Sonic. I specifically like to collect RPG-based items and Donkey Kong, uh, so that's where I'm at. So We'll see if this was worth it, dude. We'll, uh, I guess, chat about it in a few weeks when I give it a shot. Yeah, some of those Gundam games, like, I've played a few of them. I, I've i never been a fan of Dynasty Warriors, so I kind of skipped out on the Dynasty Warriors Gundam games, even though they kind of looked appealing, and I always saw the used at GameStop, but I just kind of dodged that one. But I keep telling John he should check out uh, Gundam Journey to Jaburo on PS2. That's, that's a game I put a lot of time into back in the day, and... Uh, I'd love to be able to play that again. So if I can get John to buy it for me, you know, hey, it'll be that much better for me. All the savings. I'm your gaming sugar daddy. Is exactly. That what this is? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, this week I got a bit of a deal myself. I'm, as always, browsing the Switch eShop for anything that's on a discount. So I went in this week and uh, I've been watching the completionist on YouTube playing through um, Enter the Gungeon on the Super Beard Bros. So... It looked really fun. I had some friends that used to play the hell out of it. I know that there's a lot more going on there in the background, like the ways to actually beat the game and 
like the different paths that you can do to get the true ending and stuff like that. So, but I'm just kind of having fun, you know, running through, shooting stuff, collecting all the weird guns and seeing what they do. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's it's a good time. I've been enjoying it. You know, got it at a little. You know, it might have been like a couple bucks off or something, but you know, it's it's uh, just another filler title to pack out my library you know i'm not trying to collect anything specific other than good games for good prices i see what you did there throw me under the bus yeah it sound like i just buy anything and everything (laughs) which may not be untrue um yeah man so obviously you're on a big indie kick uh so that's primarily what you've been playing uh i currently am still playing pokemon let's go still enjoying it just have had a difficult time keeping up this week. A lot of personal stuff in life need to get done. Um, but I can tell you, I dig at the Fuchsia City. And as we know, Fuchsia City is a home of the Safari Zone. Or once was the home of the Safari Zone, unfortunately. They took out Safari Zone? It's totally taken out. It pisses me off, dude. So they've replaced it. And this is what's going to anger you because obviously you're not a Pokemon Go player. I'm, I'm barely a Let's Go player at this point. I'm still in Mount Moon. I am so disappointed. So does that mean you've conceded to be the very best? Uh, you know what? I uh, I think that it may be one of the very best attempts at getting me back into Pokemon. But every time I sit down to play it, like I'll get like 10 minutes into catching Pokemon and stuff. And I'm just like, <sighs> I mean, I'm not sitting here wasting my time grinding through stuff. But it's like, I either feel like... I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm wasting my time. Like I feel like I could be pushing more missions out in Red Dead or you know, trying out uh more Gungeon or doing doing other things. There's just other games that when I sit down to play take up more of my headspace and every time I sit down and play Pokemon it's for like 10 minutes and I'm just like I'm sitting here playing Pokemon, wishing I was playing something else. I'm just going to play something else. So it's like, I haven't had like, if I had like a long car ride where I was going to be stuck going somewhere and it was the only game that I had in my Game Boy, somehow I feel like maybe that's what even pushed me as a kid to get through Pokemon. I mean, that and, you know, all of the advertising and marketing and constant saturation by the media to collect them all to buy the cards to get the action figures like all the things like it was all pokemon all the time until Yu-Gi-Oh came out well that and peer pressure i think that would do it too yeah exactly and it's like you know it i john's the only other person that i know that has the game so it's like there's a there's definitely a breakdown i thought it would be more the the mechanics changing that would help me out but I think it's just one of those things where it's like I was more involved because a lot more of my life was involved with Pokemon because all my friends were playing it. I watched the show all the time. I collected the cards. And it's like when so much stuff is pulling you that way, it really feels like you want to be a part of it. But with it just being kind of out there as its own kind of thing and it's just me and you know, John's like way ahead of me. It's like, and what's the point in, I hardly see the point in trading in this anyways, because it's not like 
you're not going to catch a hundred thousand of everything anyways. Well, and here, here's the thing, dude, that, um, I think it's going to frustrate you the most about the Safari Zone is it integrates with Pokemon Go. So it's not a Safari Zone anymore. It's like the Poke Park or something. And it integrates directly with Pokemon Go. And you pretty much, you turn on Pokemon Go and you turn on the actual Switch game and you just kind of link them like right off the bat. And it's like, oh, who do you want to transfer? You could transfer X Pokemon into your game and then catch them. But the thing is they never run away. So they're always there. So for me, I'm in Fuchsia City. I was like, oh, well, I've got like four Mewtwo's from Pokemon Go. Let me transfer one in. Oh, look, a Kangaskhan. Let me transfer that. And so like all of like the legendary birds and everything else, I can get right now in Fuchsia City and just transfer them in. And Can you use them? Yeah. Once you got them, you can use them. And they have their moves and everything else. See, I thought that like all the Pokemon that you got in Pokemon Go, the app, just kind of hung out in like you can watch them, like kind of pet them kind of thing i didn't think you could actually use them in your party that's in the game th- that's what i thought too at first and then all of a sudden they're like yeah would you like the catch x pokemon I'm like uh sure so i caught kangaskhan it's like yeah you can use them now i'm like what but the thing is though and i guess one of the issues that pokemon go players will find is you can't transfer them back to pokemon go so once they're in let's go you, there's no going back like mm. it's 100 percent. it's left in your game now which kind of sucks because once I'm done with Pokemon Let's Go, what the hell else am I going to do with it? You know, it's just going to kind of sit on the shelf. And if I had some pretty cool Pokemon and, and Go, I can't get them now. So it's more on using your weaker versions and popping them into the game. Because I don't think there's any issues with CP and stuff once they kind of pop in. Okay, so you're more of a further in both of those games than I am. And definitely further in the, you know, Pokemon Go app than I'll ever be. So if... You didn't have a smartphone with Pokemon Go. Can you still catch a Genghis Khan? As far as I can tell, no, man. Like, it has to link up to Pokemon Go. That's why I'm like, this is stupid. Like, that whole component of it's like, why would you guys do this? I I understand it. Like, there's a money aspect of it. And obviously, hey, let's link it to Pokemon Go and get people on that. Because that's, you know, obviously a revenue generator for the company between any advertising and in-game spending. But for a casual player, it's like, yeah, I want to kind of get back into uh, the Pokemon games, and this is a great opportunity to show my kids there's no Safari Zone. I mean, what the hell are they supposed to do at that point? That was a huge miss on their part, I felt. And it's really disappointing. And actually, since I reached Fuchsia City, that's where I've kind of stopped playing, because that was just kind of a downer for me. of Like, where the hell's the Safari Zone? Yeah, I guess it's... uh... It's just one of those things where, you know, this is obviously a interim title before the next mainline. So we'll see if their little things that they're doing here and there to tweak the game, how those get received. And then uh, that other project that they're working on, Town, I think it was called. You know, once that's out and everybody gets the reception on that, you know, we'll see what else Game Freak has in the tank when it comes time for the next Pokemon. And that's the thing. It's like it's one of those things where I don't know how much they really have to change it because everybody, including me, for the most part, eats it up. But, I mean, with what just happened with Telltale, and I know that those companies are on completely different levels. And, you know, their marketing and their strategies are 
much better because they actually do try to iterate and they do update things and they're not running everything on, you know, their first engine they ever made. But, you know, it does go to show you at some point in time, people will stop supporting things that get stale. I mean, don't tell that to Call of Duty fans or anybody that plays racing games or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't play racing games, so I don't know how much iteration there is on those, but people seem who love them seem to love them. I mean, how many racing games all the time? How many racing games do you see coming out on an annual basis nowadays? Like Forza. That's about it. I mean, down to Gran Turismo. Yeah, the crew. Um, I don't know. There's probably more. Like I said, not my genre. Or, you know, Madden people, FIFA people, like I know that they try to make updates to their games and change them and at least they update the engines and stuff but it's like some of these games that are like just the yearly release that you get like a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment and stuff out of those but i think for me i'm just kind of over that and i know we've talked about this before but going back to red dead which i'm still playing you know i'm i'm at the point now where i was like okay i know online's going to be launching soon i got to start getting through this story because i want to be able to have beaten the story because my friend said it's like one of the best stories that he's played in a game in a long time. So rather than taking the time to just sit around and be Arthur and, you know, do chores and go fishing and go gambling and all that stuff, I'm pretty much just trying to pound through the story missions now. And it's definitely picked up the pace a lot. It's definitely changed how I'm engaging with the game and, what I'm really looking forward to is seeing this story playing out, but then getting back to that fun, easygoing cowboy lifestyle that I was having a great time with for like my first 20 hours in the game, you know, doing a lot of that, but online with my friends. So I still haven't gone into online yet. I know that it's launched, but I was a little bit busy at the end of last week. So you know, I'll uh, I'll definitely try to get on and posse up this coming week so that I can talk about that a little bit more, and hopefully I'll be through a lot more of the story mission. I mean, sometimes it's crazy. Like I sat down the other day and played for like two hours. I think I did three story missions, and it only bumped me up like two and a half percent. <laughs> so it's like I'm not sure if that percent is like a story percent. Or if it's like an overall percent, because there's a bunch of other stuff that like, I, I haven't done any of the challenges. I haven't done, there's a whole bunch of that game that I've totally ignored. And I, that's kind of why I want to get online too, because I want to see it's like, all right, all this content that I've been ignoring in the main game, am I going to want to see if that's stuff that I can do in online as well? Or is that only storyline stuff? Like, can I do those challenges in online so that I don't feel like I completely spaced content in the main game? Or what's going on here? You know, um, your point actually on is that like full game percentage or storyline percentage, I would probably put down a bet, not really looking into it, but that's probably total game percentage. And that's just from experience and playing games of that nature. Um, mainly Bethsaida games, but also... Uh, you know, like Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, whenever it was like, yeah, you're at 60%. That for me was 60% gameplay. Like I hammered through that game with a ton of stuff. But to your point, it kind of got to where I was like, yeah, I'm done just kind of being 
the main character now. I want to actually like complete this story and do stuff. Like it started to get kind of stagnant to where, yeah, let's go ahead and finish this up. Um, you know, hopefully when I get to Red Dead, it's not, you know, I feel exactly how you do. Let's go ahead and get a bunch out. And then, all right, now it's time to keep playing the story. Yeah, and it, it was definitely a good way to approach it. Like, I'm glad that I didn't just hammer through it from the beginning and I took the time to kind of really fully appreciate the polish on it. And, uh, you know, I know I already talked about this last week and probably a little bit the week before, but like their evolution of the Rockstar game and how they've innovated and what they've changed and how they've made it more engrossing is kind of exactly what we were talking about with like the Pokemon and the Telltale and, you know, uh, the Bethesda with the Fallouts and the Skyrims and all the stuff, you know, so many of these games anymore. And that's really why I'm drawn to all these awesome indie games on Switch, because it's just like, it's so great to get something that's so uniquely itself without having this big, long history behind it that you have to compare it to. Well, that's kind of why I like looking at, you know, all the retro titles and stuff behind you is that there's so many titles that were like the first of their genre, like on that wall behind you that you can pick one up and say like, wow, this is great. I've never played this type of game before. Or you can say, I have played this game before, but this is what it was, you know, years ago. And it's fresh to you in that sense. Uh, by the way, on um, on Bethesda, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about Fallout 76. I'm just kidding. There's nothing to talk about Fallout 76. Actually, I did hear something about Fallout 76. Uh, John, you are the perfect person to talk to this about because you're obviously into collector's editions and stuff. You know, you got your big, beautiful owl boy, your Nino Cooney sitting here on the ground that I still don't think you've actually opened. No, no, no. I will have you know that the uh, the tape around it has been opened. I have flipped through the art book. Okay, cool. But the game itself hasn't, no. Okay. So here's what happened. They released a Power Armor edition of Fallout 76. Uh, it comes with a bunch of different things in it. And one of those things advertised was a nice canvas duffel bag. Mm -hmm. Now, that duffel bag appeared in all the promotional art or photos and stuff for it. was listed as a you know canvas duffel bag in all the descriptions even post-launch, but it was swapped out with a very cheap nylon bag instead, and people got, like, upset about that, and I don't know exactly who started it, but somebody sent them a thing being like, hey, this is not, like, what was advertised, and it wasn't just an automatic generated response, but it was just them coming out and being like, Oh, yeah, that was a prototype. It was too expensive. We're not going to do anything about it. Sorry. You know, I'd be interested to see what a Game Grinder has to say about it, because I know for a fact that he actually did a review on the, the Power Armor Edition, so mm -hmm. I'll um, I'll link that in the YouTube description okay. for this uh, upload. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody check out Game Grinder on YouTube and his review of the Power Armor Edition. I know he truly enjoyed at least the headset component. I didn't get too deep into his uh, Power Armor Edition, because just not really something i'm into right now and in, in collecting that particular version but what what would you have thought if you <clears throat> if you had picked up expecting one thing like i got the um gta 4 special edition and i still use the stuff that came with it it came with like this nice duffel bag that i've used on a lot of like overnight trips and stuff 
held together well for years now, and it came with this nice uh, like lockbox, just like one you would pull out of a shelf at a bank. I use that all the time. I keep like a bunch of my cords and stuff, accessories and stuff in there. So it's like I use that stuff constantly in my life, and it's held together really well because of the quality. So as far as collector's editions are concerned, uh, somebody like me, I probably would have looked into that initially. So if I read every single description, on, so I always read descriptions on every collector's edition I ever buy. Like, what's the statue made out of? How tall is it? Uh, what's the color on it? How, what's it limited to? Am I buying something that's going to be thrown, you know, to 100,000 people versus, you know, 6,000 like with Owlboy? So I look at all those types of, uh, you know, pieces of a collector's edition. And if the actual description and i haven't looked too much into it but say for example you went on gamestop's website and the description said what it was made out of i would go ahead and if it said nylon i would not have bought it or i wouldn't have complained about it when it came through because i read the description thoroughly now if it was all put down as a canvas duffel bag throughout every single description all the way up to launch after they had my money and then i got it then yeah i'd be pretty pissed off at that point in time yeah, here's, oh, are you pulling it up right now? Yeah, so there's the advertised of what they were going to have come out. And while he's looking at that, um, I will say that they did end up offering some compensation. What they ended up coming out with was a 500 Atom, which is their in-game premium currency rebate for everybody who bought that edition. Now, from what I can tell and from what I've heard is that 500 isn't even enough to cover most basic things. Like, I guess that the Fallout Power Armor Edition also comes with a mailman outfit, which is 700 Atom if you were to buy it on its own. So they're giving people money, in quotation marks, back. But what they're really giving you is... Just enough that if you give them more money, you can get something out of it. So it's a little bit of a bait and switch. We're going to give you something back, but it's really just a ploy to get you to spend more money. And you already spent more money buying a better edition of the game. So they're kind of double dipping into uh, trying to dupe people out of their cash on this deal. Yeah, and I mean, I'm on GameStop's website right now, and it does say canvas west tech duffel bag and if you look at it it looks like a straight up duffel bag it doesn't look like nylon so i mean yeah if i purchase this i'd be pretty po'd at that point i would honestly try everything i could to return that i mean it still advertised as that so yeah duffel bag gate we'll see what happens in the long run on that maybe we'll tie people in down the road as we get more news on that yeah here i'll show you here's the uh the famous picture that's going around of what somebody actually got. Yeah, it basically looks like a cheap poncho. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no, I see it. Yeah. And, you know, I I can't remember... Did we talk about the Nintendo Switch with the, um, the bundle for the Smash Bros? Yeah, we did a while back. We did? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things, like, after I saw that... And then I heard about this Atom refund that they were doing on that. It's like, it's a little weird for me when you get money that you spend up front for something 
and it's really just an encouragement to try to get you to buy something else. Well, and the, uh, yeah, I know that kind of pisses me off all the time when companies attempt that. But, you know, looking at the previous Fallout um, collector sets, I honestly, as a, you know, collector of collector's editions, whenever I can get my hands on what I like, uh, they've typically released pretty good damn collector's editions. I know James has, I think for a PC version of like, all of the Fallout games leading to, I think it's Fallout 3, they released, like, a mini-nuke. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, That's like, real cool. Yeah, it's one of the coolest things that's on his shelf. I mean, that is one awesome piece. And they've released super cool stuff like that down, you know, in the past. The Pip-Boy, all those types of things. So, with a canvas bag, for them to be like, oh, that was too expensive, that's complete BS. Especially if it being a limited edition anyways. In that case, just raise it up 20 more bucks to put down that, you know, extra money. I think that was just them really screwing up on the uh, on the actual advertising descriptions and really not taking the, the thought to say, you know what, we should probably put out the actual canvas bag. Well, and with nylon. the reviews for the game itself, it's like you these poor people didn't even get a decent game, let alone, uh, you know, things worth the value of the money that they were playing. Like, if you spend all this money to get extra items that suck on top of a game that sucks, like... How duped do you feel? You know, you spent like, I don't know how much the, the edition was, but whatever it was, it was definitely worth way more than, you know, what they got out well, of it. A nice solid 6 out of 10 worth, worst reviewed Bethesda game ever, worst Fallout game ever. Well, and I wonder how much of that's really factoring into Bethesda's decision on whether or not to like do refunds and you know, uh, offer up a canvas bag and that type of stuff. Cause Hey, look, you guys just put us on blast for the last couple of weeks, completely severed the game in terms of reviews. Didn't give us a chance to fix any bugs, which granted there's no excuse. Those bugs should have been fixed before it went out. But I mean, especially game breaking, like PC players haven't well, been Bethesda's able to play it. Well, Bethesda's not known for, you know, yeah. doing bug fixes. I mean, I still have bugs on my switch version of Skyrim and that game's been out for 10 oh, years. Yeah. I was playing fallout three uh, years ago on an Xbox 360, and it was a game breaking uh, bug that wouldn't allow me to progress throughout. And there were characters flying in the middle of the nuclear like blast zone. So yeah, no, I totally get it. And the fact that they're unwilling to do that, they're probably like, you know what? Screw it. You know, we've already got your money. You bought the game. You can't return it. And uh, you're going to put us on blast for review. So why are we going to do anything extra? Here's yeah. five bucks. So I totally see both sides and what's going on. But yeah, Bethesda, you suck. So that's something that might stop people from playing games. But now we want to switch over and talk about what got us started playing games. I'll have you know it was a very good transition to the next topic, Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, my segue today. So, Ryan, I mean, we talked about it. What was your first? So when I was a kid, like four or five my parents had a Super Nintendo, and I don't know if they got it for me or if they played it. I don't really think they did because they only ever played it with me. I had two games. I had Donkey Kong Country and uh, Super Mario World. I played Mario with Mom. I played Donkey Kong with Dad. And at and, night, they played both games together without you interfering. Right? It was very skillful. So, um, but when I was a kid, I would... I would play that with them because like I said I was four or five I had no idea what the hell I was doing but um one of my earliest gaming memories is I remember hanging out with a neighborhood kid and he showed me and my mom how to get to Star Road 
and how to get the uh, secret area in Mario World where you could go and get like the capes and the Yoshi like whenever you wanted. So it's like that really opened up the idea of how much more gaming there is than just kind of sitting down and, you know, trying to just get through something. Like it really showed me that there is more out there and there is a deeper level in these games that you can get into. And that that's really kind of where my whole journey with gaming started. And that really hooked me. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, that's one of my games as well. And before I go into mine, uh, we're going to challenge Game Grinder to uh, tell him who or tell us who his first was or what his first was. And PK with PK versus World, that's his YouTube channel. He now has a Facebook page, though, uh, called Retro Reviews One. So check him out as well. But we're going to put both those guys on blast to uh, go ahead and do their first game experience that transitioned them into where they are today. All, all of you subscribers out there, all seven of you, go to their channels, put them on blast, tell them we sent you. Exactly. You tell them, and then you subscribe too. And then any, anybody in the future who goes back and listens to this because they're waiting for our next new episode to come out, and they're like, hey, I wonder what Season 2 Episode 8 sounded like for whatever reason. You go put them on blast again. Yeah, and that, at that point, two years from now, we might be at 15 subscribers. Woo! Might. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, and stop making ourselves feel terrible. My first game uh, that I got. So I received the um, the Super Mario All-Stars Plus World Bundle when I was a kid. And I'm shooting myself right now for not saving the actual box to that game. Because, uh, I, God, man, I tossed everything when I was a kid. So upsetting. Um, but I had the bundle for that console, um, the Super Nintendo. And, yeah, I played a lot of Super Mario World as well. Played a lot of Lost Levels, which uh, James can tell you uh, next time we speak with him that I am absolutely ridiculous at Lost Levels. I don't know how I got so good at that game, but that is one of my my favorite Mario games of all time. And uh, obviously Super Mario 2, 3, I played all of those when I was a kid. But the one game that truly hooked me and got me into gaming, uh, his face and their faces are on the wall here. Donkey Kong Country 3 is that title. So I probably played that game... With my mom, my brother, and my cousin. We all played it on separate times. And uh, I've honestly probably beat that game five times in my life. Uh, just all the way through 100% each time. And uh, one of the good things about that game for me that I enjoyed so much is it had secret levels. It was a great platformer. The story actually worked. The difficulty was just right for somebody of my age. And even now is still pretty good. And uh, there were banana birds. What other game had banana birds in it? Uh, I haven't seen any. You haven't seen any, except Donkey Kong Country 3. That's what makes it so special. It's the only banana bird game out there, folks. You heard it, heard it here. I don't know. Don't say that, because then somebody's going to come through and be like, well, you know, there's DK3 or DKC3 on you, the... You've never heard of the shovelware banana bird for Wii? You know, it would not surprise me at this point. Or, uh, yeah, on the Switch. you got to use those motion controls to peel those birds. Oh, man. Yeah, after you got to do the musical notes and everything, yeah, the colors exactly. to release them. Yeah, so uh, for me, that game was definitely the top tier game. It's still my one of my favorite games to date, platformer wise. Absolutely love it. And there's a lot of people that bash it because of the fact that there's no Donkey Kong and there's no Diddy Kong in it. It's purely Dixie Kong and Kitty Kong. It's got Donkey Kong in the title. Well, yeah, because you're rescuing Donkey Kong. So yeah, and then K rules in that game too. I mean, it's just. Overall, that was just a sick game. I 
will continue playing it for years to come. If I have a kid, they're going to play that game. It's a title that's going to go for a long time with me. So that that was my first. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned K. Rule, and I, I know this is a little off topic here, but are you looking forward to K. Rule in Smash? K. Rule is the only reason I will buy that game. Really? Yes. Well, oh, that wow. and Pac-Man, because I love playing Pac-Man. Yeah, I know. You were kicking everybody's ass with Pac-Man. Yeah. Drunk, too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, everybody else is drunk as well, so that, yeah. Even playing field. Even playing, yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, uh, K. Rule is one of the key reasons. When I saw K. Rule was announced for Smash Bros., I was like, yep, that's the reason I will get this game. Now, I'm not going to get it right away, um, saving up some money for some other things, but... Yeah, that is totally the reason I'll get that game. And obviously, whenever you come over or we all hang out as a group, we'll probably play some Smash Bros. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a good time. I think that, you know, this has been a really great year for gaming. And we'll probably, you know, before the end of the year, we'll sit down and we'll put together like a top 10 or, you know, just a look back at the great year of 2018 gaming. But if we jump back... Even further, all the way back 20 years ago, almost, to 1998, we have this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge with Skull Monkeys for the PlayStation 1. Released in January 1998, uh, Skull Monkeys is a platformer. It is uh, published by EA, developed by Neverhood Inc. Um, It's a real interesting graphic style of claymation the likes of what you've seen in clay fighters and uh, and chicken run and uh, wallace and gromit yeah and yeah yeah and uh what was it prometheus and bob on kablam honestly i don't even know chicken run and wallace and gromit as far as they go of claymation gumby oh yeah yeah gumby gumby as well so it's uh it's definitely a unique looking game i mean it's got these great animated stop motion intro with uh you know some of that kind of weird comedy uh we got to a point where there was a cutscene where they were singing a song about you know the beans beans magical fruit more you eat the more you toot then he farts out of this straw hair that he has it was uh it was definitely something that is you know much more akin to what you would think of as like late 90s kind of like edge kind of humor uh for kids not running stimpy far but close yeah yeah uh, i did like the homing birds as well that we got to that was actually pretty cool launching off a seagull to uh you heard it here folks homing birds only game with homing birds uh, i don't know if i go that far <laughs> i mean i've played some raving rabbits and i'm sure there's something like that in there uh yeah dude uh that game was actually pretty cool I definitely enjoyed the art style, the claymation, everything. It did kind of make me a little sick in a sense, like the camera panning side to side from time to time. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought that was a pretty interesting title. And it's only, I think, how long to beat had it? Like six hours? Yeah, how long to beat's got it coming in at six hours. And price charting, this has it coming in complete inbox, $54.99. So about what you would pay for a full price title now, but... 20 years ago with claymation yeah and if you kind of consider it a six hours what is that a call of duty campaign yeah about but no online gameplay or any of that functionality what is it loose right now uh loose 30 dollars okay so that's our basis right now we'll go based on loose 
I don't know if anybody in her right mind needs to pay 55 bucks for a manual and cover. Um, only Your cover is I- pretty nice. He's got oh, yeah. the, the holographic cover. Oh, yeah. Well, the paper. So that's actually the plastic cover. If you're not aware or familiar with those, they have a plastic cover of like a another sheet on top that has that kind of refractor mm-hmm. type of you know vibe to it. And you can put that with any single game. I, I would believe you can put that with any game, and it should change the cover. So oh, actually, what? we should try that after this. I, I haven't done it before. I know it works with uh, Crash Team Racing. No, it's not Crash Team Racing. It's um, Wrath of Cortex. I want to say Crash okay. Wrath of Cortex number three. So, yeah, let's go ahead and after we get done recording, let's fiddle around with that. See if we could change some covers up. We'll we'll see if we can't upload some video uh, to the YouTube or Facebook. Instagram. Instagram, Instagram, sir. Pushing the Instagram. Instagram at Game Deflators. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's the Game Deflators on Instagram. The You'll find Game us. Deflators. There's no other Game Deflators. We are the only Game Deflators. Because everybody else pushing up the prices, we're here to bring them down, folks. Exactly. That's why you haven't heard anything that's worth the price yet. And speaking <clears throat> of that, John, what are you gonna say? Thirty bucks, inflated, deflated. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about it. I, th- I think we got a good. F- two three more minutes so we can kind of just okay go okay. over it yeah. elaborate convince so, me convince you okay well you don't even know where i stand yet so right now in my time playing that game i think we played it for about 45 minutes to an hour uh difficulty pretty good on the difficulty not in terms of easiness it was actually kind of difficult um control- the game was actually it was actually uh at its reception it was panned for having too high of difficulty. Exactly. So nowadays, looking at that, if you want a difficult platformer, this would be a difficult platformer to give a shot to. And the rest of it's actually a good game. It's not. That's actually probably the lower score for this title. So when you really have all that considered, um, it handled very well for a platformer on a 4K TV, mind you. It actually uh, did handle pretty well. Uh, lots of power-ups, which were pretty cool, which you'd expect. It's not... You know, a standard platformer where, like, you just kind of have that same stagnant thing each time. So it does have some cool elements to it. The enemies are interactive. There's We didn't get too far into the game, but I would imagine the enemies get more difficult, and there's probably additional things. So we had, right when we finished playing, some of the, the other skull monkeys um, actually turned into fire and ran around. And you had to get them just before they turned into fire. And it was just a split second to be able to do that. Um, as far as the difficulty is concerned... One hit. Like, you have certain items that allow you to get hit twice. Like, kind of balance it out. But once you get hit, your body explodes into pieces, which is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, there's lots of little power-ups. So, I thought it was a pretty interesting game. Pretty neat. I've probably come across four or five titles in the past and just kind of traded them off for other games. Um, But I would say at $30 loose, inflated, I would probably, if that game came out today, I'm considering indie titles here. If it came out today, twenty bucks would probably be about the right price point for a title like that. We got a awkward moment of silence here as you continue to search. Did I kind of? Uh, uh, I was just kind of mess you up here. No, I was just uh, checking to see if this has any digital release prices. Ryan, there's no expansion sets. The um. Yeah, I would definitely say inflated on this one. I would much prefer to watch a good stop motion movie than play a challenging old 
stop motion platformer and the thing is it's like it looks like one of those games that should be like a cinematic platformer but it's not like the controls are very responsive like i never felt like it was the game's fault uh there was a couple times where there was like a hidden enemy like obscured by some kind of art piece but it did have like some nice foreground and background elements to keep the 3d kind of depth of the space to continue with the art style they were going for like i'm gonna say artistically i think it's a really cool idea and i would like to see more but for that price there's better things that i could do and in the past like when we played porky pig much more nostalgic for that you know cuphead much more nostalgic for that like i love games that take these you know unique assets from uh video and tv and incorporate them into games but i think that for me like it's just not enough for the gameplay of what it is with a six hour max on that pretty much like I don't know. I I just I wouldn't pay thirty bucks for it. What would you pay for it though? I don't know. Like if it if it had like a nice digital release, I would pay ten, twelve, something like that. Like if it was something that I if I was really itching for a platformer, but I just think that we've played so many platformers lately, and of them gameplay wise this was the least impressive the level design from what we saw wasn't really that unique i mean it's a lot of like jump from moving platform to moving platform collect 100 clay balls to earn a life i mean they all have those same elements in them it just doesn't do it didn't do anything that made me say yeah this stands out and above the rest and i think that you know a lot of the review scores will you know kind of stand up and say hey you know this game was okay it was unique for what it tried to do but it was just okay yeah that's fair man well uh you're getting your wish we played a lot of platformers of late um we're gonna be playing for our next inflation deflation uh vampire night on the playstation 2 so it's typically a light gun game I have no idea where my light gun is at this time, so obviously I'm not going to play on that. Maybe we'll pick one up within a week somewhere. Um, but we're going to play by two players, use our uh, actual controllers for PlayStation 2, and uh, we'll hook up the PS2 and one of these TVs in the house. Uh, do you have any background on that game, price-wise, release, all of that? Oh, let's see Maybe here. just price for the time being so people kind of get a feel for uh, where we're at on this one. But while Ryan looks that up, uh, just... You know, kind of going back to Skull Monkeys, you heard it here. We think the game's inflated. 30 bucks for a loose copy is too much. 55 is obviously way too much for a complete in-box copy. And uh, Ryan's got it somewhere around 10 to 12. I'd put it at 20 if it came out today with a, you know, nice re-release. What do you got Vampire Knight as? Okay, Vampire Knight for the PS2 loose, 1142, complete 1665. Okay, so that's, uh, we'll see how that is. That's, you know, some fair numbers. And uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I think that whatever's going on with Skull Monkeys that has the price up there, you know, 
I can't imagine how rare it is, seeing as you've said you've come across about five, six copies in your day. So it must just have like one of those cult followings where people really dig on the game and a lot of people really want it. And, you know, like I said, the uniqueness of the game, definitely I can see it being appealing to collectors probably. Uh, but I, I think that uh, compared to something like this, Vampire Knight looks like it's probably, well, we'll get into it next week. Yeah, sounds good, man. As far as Skull Monkeys, um, I'd say a lot of that in you know my time collecting comes down to it is a refractor case. It is something that you I've only come across honestly complete in box twice. This copy that I own and another copy, and uh, in itself, I mean, how many platformers that played very well did you have released on the PlayStation One? I can tell you, it's probably not a super high number of platformers on that console that were really well done. Crash? Other than Crash. Spyro? Spyro's not technically a platformer. What would you call it? I would call it an action-adventure game, if anything. You don't go side-scrolling. It's not a side-scrolling platformer. Well, yeah, but neither is uh, Mario 64. Well, yeah, but it's not a platformer. That's an action-adventure-style game in my in my mind. Come on right. now. Come on. It's not a side-scrolling platformer. What else you got? You got Rayman, Crash, which Crash kind of branches out into other type i mean it has its single like side-scrolling platformer style from time to time but that's you know it's not the same thing what else you got rayman and cool spot gex and gex come on who plays gex i really i played some gex back in my day well yeah i mean we all kind of played some gex back in our day for like maybe an hour and then we put it down come on now i don't know there's lots of stuff out there internet let john know about all of the other platformers and also what the definition of a platformer is. Secretly, what we want you guys to do is put us on blast so we get lots of comments and people come to the channel. I mean, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that uh, concludes our episode this week. So this is season two, episode eight of uh, the Game Deflators podcast. So my name is John. And I'm Ryan. And we are the Game Deflator. The Game Deflators. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>